0: Hi, this is Riggs Eckleberry, CEO of Origin Clear. Welcome to the podcast, Water's the New Goal. Now, in this podcast, I explore every week the trends in water, the big disruption that's happening, what we're doing about it, and where the future lies. It's quite interesting. Enjoy and stay subscribed. Well, good evening, everyone. Riggs here, and a pleasure catching up with you. So much stuff to talk about. And I don't know if you got a chance to look at my update of about three hours ago, but, uh, pretty amazing. We got literally a microbrewery deal in three days flat. And that's, that's shocking. Uh, we thought it was pretty good that Dan early got it done in a month when he first started out with that brewery in Maine, but then another one of our good guys who I'll be introducing soon, um, went and got a Southern California brewery in those three days. I posted his notes on the conversation he had with the client, and three reasons, which is perfect. The first reason being the quality of the MWS equipment, incredibly well-designed, and that's Dan, to Dan Early's credit. And then the other thing was the cost. You know, uh, systems for modular water are 5 to 15% cheaper on average. And finally, the water savings, and that's a big deal in California. We talk a lot about reusing water, but generally, people have a back off from reusing water to drink, right? Toilet to tap—you've heard that term. So generally, there's not people are squeamish about that. There's no reason for it. All water is recycled water. It's been through everything many, many times in the history of the, the planet, and. Uh, but nonetheless, people are, you know, they're a little bit untrusting because who knows. So when we talk about reusing water for a brewery, we're generally talking about um, non-potable use. That is, you know, rinsing equipment and so forth. In fact, there's a very good report that, that gets into it uh, by Water Online and it's called Water Reuse. And it, and it quantifies all these different uses as being roughly half of the total water that goes through. Things like sample chiller, initial vessel rinses, space water, the vacuum pump, the external bottle rinser, the brew house vessels, the fermentation vessels, packaging vessels, production filtration equipment, filtration vacuum pump, and boiler makeup. In in this particular situation, we're using a total of about 76,000 gallons, and that's roughly half of the total water use. And it's, it's actually could be more but that's after all of the inefficiencies so even, so even if you're not thinking about reusing the water to make the beer which people again are queasy about you're still able to reuse about half the water and that is a big win in california you're going to save a couple hundred thousand dollars a year perhaps it, it adds up and it all depends of course on the size of the brewery so that's a big deal now uh, size of market there's about 1100 craft breweries in the south southwest 900 in California alone. These are numbers from, uh, the industry, from the client actually. Another 300 are in permitting stages, so that literally 300 microbreweries are being permitted in these states to come into operation. And if you imagine a 20% penetration of this market, that is selling to one out of five, five of these at a cost of $70,000, you got yourself over $15 million in revenue. And if you imagine that you're doing about, 40% cost of goods, that's about $8 million in profits at scale. So that's pretty darn good. What we're really talking about in California, there is a piece of California law called Title 22, which basically says you shall reuse your water. Well, there's all kinds of uses for water, and there's 40 specific uses for this, 20 specific uses for that, blah, blah, blah. But the bottom line is, is that people need to restart reusing their water, and in California, that's a law and that is helping us tremendously. That was the brewery thing, and that ran into the other piece of news today, which was actually happening over on the water chain side because Tom Marchesello, who's our strategist over there, was at an industry event and talking about the use of enterprise zones, which are an amazing piece of the JOBS Act that people don't realize exists, which is literally a way for the 2800 most disadvantaged zip codes in America to be designated as free trade zones, and this is tied into the water chain concept. I won't get into that, but he happened to be at this conference, and there was a track B, investing in the cannabis industry, and the moderator was Sherry Haskell, founder and CEO of Canna Angels, LLC, Canna Angels, Cannabis Angels, and she said, according to Tom, that the number one issue for the U.S. cannabis industry is water and she said that water rights and access to water and wastewater cleanup is the reason the industry cannot grow faster. It's literally this is why the you know the industry is moving is growing very very fast but the water access to water and cl- cleaning it up is literally the gating factor on an entire industry which as we know is on in a boom time. Now Just like we were getting into frack water cleanup, people would say, How dare you be involved with fracking and so forth and so on. And we'd say, "Uh, We don't have a position on fracking, but the water is dirty. So, you guys, if you want to stop fracking, fine. But as long as people are fracking, then somebody's got to clean the stuff up. And that's our position on cannabis. We're we're not, we have zero position on cannabis itself. That's for individuals to have. For us, we're in the water industry. If people need clean water and they need to treat their water clean to be good citizens, that's where we're there for. So cannabis, the uh, reason why I mentioned cannabis today is because it's a big deal. And it's extremely similar to cleaning up the uh-huh. leftover from processing the hops and the, the malts and so forth in the brewing process, very, very similar effluent. And so that's really, really interesting. We're, we don't have any deal flow with regard to cannabis yet. And really, we're, as I said in the CEO update, we are focusing on the breweries. breweries are not the only thing we're doing, but this type of thing is breweries and cannabis is to be seen. But my basic thought was that we can do really well in cannabis and cannabis needs us. Okay. Now, the other piece of news that came across, which I mentioned on Money TV today, is that there's a new report from Raymond James that says it's very, very interesting. And it, it talks about how water scarcity is going global. Less than three percent of the Earth's total available water is fresh water, and this percentage is declining due to factors such as the draining of aquifers, etc., pollution, climate change, blah blah blah. And by the way, water technology is a way to adapt to climate change versus trying to do something about climate. But that's a whole different story. But the point is being that doing something about water helps us survive the process of less and less fresh water available in the world. Okay. Now, the reason I mention this is at the very end of the report it says water tech mergers and acquisition, M&A, a A very active space as befits a strategically important investment theme. And it says, more than anything else under the clean tech umbrella, with the possible exception of solar, the water space is an undeniably hot space for M&A, mergers and acquisitions. Put another way, the water scarcity theme is becoming a, quote, crowded trade, unquote, as can be seen from the amount of deal activity. Bearing in mind what we wrote earlier in this report, sellers comprise a diverse set of companies across the water value chain in a variety of geographies. Now, here's what's interesting about this. The report, which is I'll be happy to provide, just email us at bizdev at originclear.com or invest at originclear.com will provide that, the report. I mean, it's not a confidential report, but it's not public either, so I can't just post it. Anyway, so this report, lays out the mergers and acquisition action and it's all with companies that are a hundred million dollars or more that's because a very large water company might have a billion dollar uh, mergers and acquisitions budget per year now you're not going to spend a billion dollars by buying a bunch of five million dollar companies you're going to do it by buying a bunch ten hundred million dollar companies and your job's done for the year so <laughs> people tend to focus on the larger players The much smaller players are generally ignored. And this is where our opportunity is. We showed when we acquired Progressive Water that we can be very, very good at acquiring a company, that we can execute, and that we can integrate. One of our signature policies is that we refuse to do heavy integration. We don't go in there and do what people call a chainsaw Dunlap in the uh, name of the guy who pretty much destroyed a few companies. We, We don't destroy companies. What we try and do is to leave the guy or gallon charge of the company and just take away all the things they can't stand doing, like accounting and marketing and search engine optimization and so forth. So, you know, no. they don't like e commerce, but well, they do well, like selling well, water well. systems. So, anyway, the mergers and acquisitions situation is wide open to us in the area of companies well below the $100 million range. And again, you know, I don't want to tout the mergers and acquisitions activity that's going on right now because. It's the kind of thing where it happens or it doesn't, right? It's oh, we bought a company. Oh, we didn't buy a company. So it's it, it, the, the kind of thing can be very, very disappointing if it doesn't happen. But we are doing extremely well with our mergers and acquisitions. We have three companies that have signed letters of intent, and non-binding. So we don't disclose them, but nonetheless, they have signed these non-binding letters of intent, and they have uh, given us an indication that they can very specifically we have detailed deals with these three companies and as we've announced we have a a capital organization called tca capital which is helping us fund it and beyond that i can't say anything more but the only thing that i can say is that in the process of of doing the due diligence the um the capital guys have discovered that this texas is on fire right now texas there's too many water projects going on. There's too much business. You know, one company we're talking to normally a water company service company will get one out of 10 of the deals they go after. They've been getting one out of two. There's so much business to be had that if you're any good, I don't know why this is, but Texas is on fire for business. I guess it's good times. Also, you know, regulations are, are continuously increasing. People have to do more to handle their water. You know, Minnesota, Well, the other big, big deal is that throughout the country, infrastructure is falling apart just from old age. So if you're doing infrastructure, uh, water infrastructure, then you're going to be very, very busy these days. And the companies we run into have this huge amount of business because they are doing uh, new water treatment plants, new infrastructure, new pipes and so forth, trans- water transport, all that stuff. And so they're seeing way too much business and they're having to be very picky. That's an interesting thing. Another thing that that we learned, and this is anecdotal, I'm not giving to you this as a sworn statement, but it's kind of a fun story. A few years ago, there was a lot of companies from the North that came into Texas to try and take away business. They were very aggressive, and uh, it was tough times because a lot of companies were trying to jump into the Texas market. That has largely subsided. The Texas market now is pretty much in the hands of the Texan companies that survived such as the companies that we are talking to. We already have one, which is doing very, very well. Mark Stevens, Mike Jenkins, and the whole team at Progressive Water in McKinney, Texas are doing an amazing job, a couple dozen of them. And and, uh, when we went to set up Dan Early's Modular Water, we found that we didn't have to do a whole bunch of new engineers for Dan because the guys in McKinney, Texas were quite, quite competent for the job. It's no coincidence that More than one company that we are in talks with and potentially acquiring is in Texas. It's a great place to operate, and I wouldn't be surprised if we didn't see a whole lot more. Now, part of what's driving all this is, I don't know if you guys saw it, but the administration, I have it here, a report from Water Online dated October 24th, Trump signs historic water funding bill. This is the America's Water Infrastructure Act of 2018. And it's strange, we hear about everything. We hear about whatever, noise. But we don't hear about these things, which are pretty darn good. America's Water Infrastructure Act will significantly increase annual federal investment on water and water infrastructure from approximately $2 billion to over $7 billion per year. And then it's going to dramatically increase the efficiency of the loan approval process, fast track projects with certain provisions, not going to get into all this detail, but basically, in safeguarding funding from cuts, this is a way to ensure that there is secured required funding for water. And that's super, super cool. And it's, I guess it's part of the reason why things are so busy. So we have two big trends in water right now. One is the, the fact that because the water infrastructure is falling apart, we have a tendency to create a lot of point of use water treatment, what's called decentralized water treatment. And that's a trend that's growing. It's inevitable because industry is growing, populations are growing in developing countries, et cetera. There's just more and more water treatment needed. But also there's aggressive decay of water infrastructure, which is now being attended to very late in the game. So that's growing businesses like modular water, these breweries with their own water treatment, all that good stuff. At the same time, this catch-up being played on the central water infrastructure, actually, some of the companies we're talking to that have these non-binding conditional letters of intent are in the business of doing exactly that. Now, I've been you know, banging the drum for months about decentralization, and uh, and it's very true. It's, it's the biggest trend in water and the fastest-growing one, but there is a huge amount of business, really not enough. It, it needs to be a lot more. It needs to $7 billion a year is a drop in the bucket because we need to spend a quarter trillion to fix the infrastructure. If you really think about it, because there's also decay as that goes along, it's about one-fiftieth of what it should be. But that's okay, it's a start. The point is this, decentralization is a fact and we're playing in it with modular water, with the water chain project, which is going along in the background on a very low level basis, because I don't want it to distract anybody. Uh, and and uh, we are also working in the cleanup of the centralized water infrastructure, the, the pipes that are breaking down and so forth. Dan Early's technology for pump stations, for example, is fantastic. Right here in, in Los Angeles County, we've got literally hundreds of pump stations. They're wells. They're wells. They're deep in the ground and maybe uh, 30 or 50 feet deep. And they pump water out of basements or whatever. And they fall apart because they're built out of concrete. You know, steel, fiberglass, and these are all materials that last a quarter century less, whereas the reinforced plastic, thermoplastic that Dan uses, lasts easily 100 years. Again, Modular Waters technology can be used for the centralized systems with the pump station, but we also are playing in the conventional rebuilding of the piping systems and the municipal water infrastructures. And I say we're playing in that; we're potentially playing it with it, subject to the acquisition of these companies, as I'm saying, mergers and acquisitions is a binary business. So you don't bank on it. What you can bank on is building a business, right? That you can do. You, you don't say, "Oh well, we failed to market." Oh gosh, uh well we'll try another time. No, you, you keep you keep marketing till you succeed. So, and the important thing when you are marketing stuff is to realize what is working. And so when we saw that we were We got a brewery back in July, August, and now we've delivered it very successfully. And I featured it on Money TV last week, a little video with that. And then we got one this week, literally three days after we talked to the client, we realized, wait a minute, this is hot. And so we're gearing up a major brewery vertical market attack with a whole marketing plan going after the trade groups and so forth and getting the word out and getting with the engineers when the things are still being permitted and so forth. So we can sell a lot of these. And that's what we're gonna start doing with modular water is taking specific verticals, knocking them down, taking another vertical, knock it down, et cetera. The brewery thing is very good because we have a lot of connections in it. I'll get into that in a couple of weeks because it's, there's good reasons for it, but we have great relationships in the microbrewery space and we're gonna take full advantage. So you're gonna hear a lot more about that. So. We're racing towards the end of the year. It's now you know we're gosh, it's really getting down to the, to the wire here. I just want to remind everyone that we are in the middle of this final round of funding the the private placement that we've been working on that is so advantageous is wrapping up. I hope that you will work with Ken and devin to who work on my behalf to get in and take advantage of this offer because it does end in a few days in December, and you really must take full advantage. Devin is doing a wonderful job of reminding me what the numbers are. uh, 323-939-6645, 323-939-6645. Ken is at 201, uh, that's extension 201, and Devin is at extension 116. Give them a call. Here's the situation. We have enough things going on that I believe that we are gonna be a very strong player in 2019. That's just how it is. We're playing so many notes on the keyboard that it's gonna make music. It is already, and I think the volume is gonna increase dramatically. And as we hit it on all cylinders, wow, I am mixing my metaphors. As we hit it on all cylinders, I think it's gonna really dramatically increase the volume of revenue, we're gonna get into profits, we're going to dramatically improve our, our standing, in a variety of ways that I'm not going to get into right now, but I will be talking about how we're going to build a very strong player. And so I really appreciate your support. You can help us acquire these companies by investing in OriginClear today. In my opinion, it's a good stable investment because your investment is repaid and it's secured by our our patents and you get, you know, a good return on your money, but you get this wonderful grant of stock. So please consider it call up these gentlemen. They are there. Phones are <laughs> standing by. So thank you all. It's been a pleasure talking this evening. As always, you can reply to any of my CEO updates and it will go into my inbox and I'll be happy to hear from you. Have a good evening. Stay warm and enjoy the holidays. I will be with you next week. So that'll probably be our last discussion before the holidays hit. Meanwhile, talk to Ken and Devin. Thank you and good night. Well, that's it for this podcast. Thank you very much for joining and I hope you stay subscribed. If you'd like to interact with me, give your ideas, ask me questions, it's live every Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. Just sign up at originclear.com slash CEO. Take care now.